Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. One of the best options for preserving your own food is through dehydrating, but which dehydrator do you choose? That's what I'm covering on today's Ask Wardy. For all the links, information, it's very bookmarkable. Go to askwardy.tv and look for episode 152. That's where you'll find the complete transcript of today's episode. Today's question comes from Lori B. She's considering purchasing our dehydrating e-course, and she sees that I recommend the Excalibur brand dehydrator. She says it has a variety of options from digital to non-digital, timers of 26 to 48 hours, solid door to clear, adjustable thermostat. Having never dehydrated except in my Wedgwood oven with gas pilot, I don't know what features would be good to have and what are really not necessary as there are a variety of models to choose from. Thanks for the help. Thank you for your question, Lori, and to say thank you for submitting a question that I'm answering on Ask Wardy. We're giving you a free ebook and video package, so our team will be in touch to give that to you. So Lori, you're right. There are lots of options to choose from, and that's even if you narrow down the brand of dehydrator. Even though my choice is the Excalibur dehydrator, in today's Ask Wardy, I'm gonna take it up a level and talk about all the different features you'd wanna consider so that yes, you can narrow down your brand, but even within the brand, you can pick the right model of dehydrator for you. Some of these features I consider are essential and or the best for health, but some of them are going to come down to personal preference. So let's get through the list now. So the first thing to discuss is airflow. Dehydrators generally have two different kinds of airflow, vertical and horizontal. Vertical is where there is a fan on the top or the bottom of the unit, and so it blows vertically. Horizontal airflow will have the fan at the back of a unit or the side, and so the air flows horizontally. Horizontal airflow is preferred by most people, and that's because you get even heating or drying of foods because the airflow is going past all the trays evenly. However, if you do a vertical fan, and in particular with the fan on the bottom, that's most like natural conditions because heat rises. And you can adjust for the fact that the trays may dry unevenly just by changing their position and kind of rotating them manually to get even heating and drying. So you can work with both vertical or horizontal, but my preference is horizontal. Next, let's talk about the shape of the trays. So you can have rectangular or square trays, and then there are those adjustable dehydrators where the trays are round and you just stack them up. So basically you're looking between a rectangular slash square shaped tray or a circular tray. The square slash rectangular shaped trays are better for more efficient use of space. You'll have less space wasted and you can just fit more foods on, whereas the round trays are just less efficient in terms of space. Next, the shape of the dehydrator. So you can see this Excalibur here is a cube shape. The other kind that I've been mentioning is the Nesco slash American Harvester type with the round trays that stack up. Well, if you have a cube shaped dehydrator with removable trays, 
you can actually use this cube shape for more than just drying trays of food. Like you could proof your sourdough bread in it. You could put jars of yogurt in here to incubate. And these are both things that I do frequently with a dehydrator. And that's why I would recommend a cube shaped dehydrator, simply because it's more versatile and you can do other things with it. And so if you agree with me that a cube shape is best, let's consider the number of trays. The Excalibur, this one is nine trays. They have models with four trays. I'm gonna always recommend that you go with nine trays. And this is even if you're a small family, obviously because nine trays gives you that bigger cube shape for other uses, but I haven't heard of anyone who has ever regretted getting nine trays versus four trays. Again, even for a small family, because if you're drying foods, you're doing batches so you can do more at the same time. Now the only caveat here would be if you don't have space. So if you don't have space in your RV or your small apartment or something small that you're living in, maybe you can't fit a nine tray. But if you can fit a nine tray, and even if you're a small family and you're doing dehydrating, go for the nine tray if you can. Next would be the thermostat. So there are dehydrators where you just simply turn them on and there's no temperature control. I think it's essential that you do have temperature control because there are certain foods you want to dry at very low temperatures and certain foods that can go up in temperature for drying. So a thermostat is essential and ideally you'd want one that could go pretty low, like 95 degrees, to pretty high for a dehydrator, like up to 155 degrees. And that will give you the most versatility and the most options in your kitchen for drying the most variety of foods, from the gentle herbs and things you want to stay really raw to doing jerky or dried liver at higher temperatures. Let's talk about the material of the tray because your food is touching this, right? You want it to be non-toxic. Well, the Excalibur here, this is the basic tray, is BPA-free plastic, and the Nesco American Harvest are BPA-free plastic, and if you're looking at other brands, you can check out and make sure that their base model plastic tray units are BPA-free plastic, because that's gonna be the best, healthiest choice. But having said that, just overall, know that plastic use in a dehydrator is not as big a concern, and that's because we are drying foods at low temperatures. So low temperature and plastic usage is not as big a concern as it would be for high heat plastic usage. What about liners? Liners are an optional add-on with most dehydrators. This is the one that is for the Excalibur. They're called Paraflex. Again, this isn't a material that I would necessarily choose if I was using high heat, but with dehydrating foods, low temperature, it's not a concern. And liners are gonna be essential. So if you're doing any kind of small pieces of grains or very wet foods, I just use liners a lot. Even if I'm doing strips of liver, I'm gonna use the liners. I consider them an essential, even though they're an optional add-on. If you absolutely can't afford the liners that are made for de your dehydrator, you can use unbleached parchment paper, and that's something where you would reuse as often as you can, but then end up tossing. Unbleached is important for the parchment paper, and with very wet foods, you could get some tearing, ripping, sticking with the parchment paper, but if you're careful, you can pretty much work around that in most cases. So think about liners, either buying the add-ons or using unbleached parchment paper, but it's gonna be an essential with your dehydrator. So now I've gone through the essential things I think you should think about if you are in the market for a dehydrator. Let's talk about some other issues that might come up, and you brought these up in your question, Lori. One is digital versus non-digital. Beyond the ease of use and personal preference, like some people just like that digital display, some people like the manual dial, so keep those things in mind. The other thing to look into is 
what if it breaks down? How expensive is it to fix? And I'm going to say a general rule is that digital things are more expensive to fix, but that may not be true. My personal belief is that manual things last longer. Again, that might not be true either, but when I see a price difference between manual and digital, and if I prefer manual, I'm just going to go for manual. So some things to consider there, but you definitely don't need digital. So just weigh what you like, the cost difference, um, the, and you might have to contact the, co the company for this information, but what's the cost if it breaks down? How much does it cost to repair digital versus non-digital? And so those are the things you want to weigh out. Timers. Some dehydrators have built-in timers. So let's say you're drying sliced bananas and you want to put it on 18 hours or whatever the recipe says. And so then you know that's going to come in the middle of the night and your dehydrator is going to automatically turn off. So that's the convenience of having a timer, so you can turn your dehydrator on and you can also set the time when it's gonna turn off. Is that essential? I think it could be very helpful if you're somebody who works outside the home or your home limited times to kind of build, build in some automatic shutoff there. However, having said all that, if a recipe for a certain food tells you, you know, dry for 12 hours, well, guess what? With dehydrating, it is so variable and your dehydrated foods are almost never done in the timing that the recipe states. In fact, most dehydrating recipes are gonna give you a range. And in addition to the foods probably not gonna be done when the recipe says, it could be done earlier, could be done later, and individual pieces of food, they could have varying thicknesses, varying degrees of moisture in them. So some of them are gonna be done and some of them not. Sure, dehydrating is easy, but it's still a hands-on preserving activity where you have to check and turn pieces and some are gonna be done and need to be removed and some to go longer. So a timer is not gonna solve that. You still need to be hands-on, still need to be checking things. In addition, let's say the recipe says 12 to 14 hours and that is gonna be the middle of the night for you. Well, guess what? Dehydrating is pretty forgiving. So while you don't really wanna stop foods earlier than they're dry because then they don't, aren't preserved and they could spoil more easily due to the moisture, but let's say you go over time and they get more dry. Well, dehydrating is forgiving. Being more dry is not usually a problem for most dry foods. So that's how I feel about timers. Me personally, I have not had a dehydrator with a timer, don't wish to have a dehydrator with a timer because I'm checking my foods as they're drying. Now, let's say you buy a dehydrator without a timer and you regret that and say, oh, I wish I'd gotten one. Well, guess what? You can get an aftermarket timer. There's those little gadgets that you use to put like your house lamps on a timer so they'll turn on at a certain time of day to look like somebody's home. Well, you can do the same kind of thing for your dehydrator and it might be less expensive. Lori, the other thing you mentioned was the door for your dehydrator, solid or clear. So I just think that's a matter of preference. I personally can't see a way that it would affect performance, but if you think differently, please let me know otherwise. But if you find it would be a benefit to see inside versus not be able to see inside and you can afford it if that costs more, then go for it. I personally don't think it's an essential. I have no trouble having a solid dark door and just take it off when I wanna check my food. And the other thing you gotta think about is if this was clear, can you really see to the back of the trays anyway? No, if it was clear, you're only gonna see this front part anyway. So what's the point of a clear door in that case? So again, I'm just gonna say on that particular choice, choose what you would like. 
and what you can afford. Is it an essential? No. Maybe you'd like it, then go for it. If you'd like to bookmark, share, or refer to this list of essentials to consider for buying your dehydrator, go to askwardy.tv, look for episode 152. The complete transcript is there, all the items that I've mentioned, as well as links and more resources. Speaking of more resources, at Traditional Cooking School, we have a comprehensive dehydrating ebook and video package, as well as a dehydrating e-course. And I'll include links at the show notes, askwardy.tv episode 152, so you can check that out if you or someone you know would be interested in learning more about that. And I'll wrap up now with an invitation, if you haven't already, to sign up for our free traditional cooking video series. At Traditional Cooking School, we teach you how to make foods more nutritious and digestible. Dehydrating is just one part of that, but all the foods that you're eating, we teach easy, simple, traditional cooking methods so that you can get more health, more nutrition, and more digestibility out of the foods you're already eating. We give you that free video series at tradcookschool.com slash yours free, where yours free is all one word. And when you sign up for that free video series, I'm also going to give you 14 plus free eBooks on all kinds of other topics of traditional cooking too. Go to tradcookschool.com slash yours free all one word, to get the free traditional cooking video series and the collection of free ebooks. Thanks for joining me, everyone. I hope to see you again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Ask Wardy. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me, at TradCookSchool, with your question, and use the hashtag AskWardy. Or send an email to wardy at askwardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to askwardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at tradcookschool on the Periscope app, or go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the Podcasts app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.